Kassat Podcast Network. In this episode, Amy and Paul discuss advice giving habits, how to give an MI congruent answer when asked, What do you think I should do? Strategies and exercises for asking permission and giving information, and much more. Please share your thoughts about this episode or any others you've listened to. You can find our contact information at the Lions and Tigers and Bears MI website at nfartech.org forward slash MI podcast. That website again is nfartec.org forward slash MI podcast. Tigers and Bears, Am I? An interactive podcast focused on the evidence-based practice of motivational interviewing, a method of communication that guides toward behavior change while honoring autonomy. I'm Amy Shanahan. And I'm Paul Warren. And we've worked together over the past 10 years. We've been facilitating MI learning collaboratives and providing trainings and coaching sessions focused on the adoption and refinement of MI. We're also members of the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. Join us in this adventure into the forest where we explore and get curious about what lies behind the curtain of MI. Hi, Amy. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to be back talking with you further about motivational interviewing. Yeah, a lot's been going on around motivational interviewing. Yes. Conversations. Yes. Lots of conversations, lots of training of trainers and mint forums and all kinds of things. Interviews with Dr. Rolnick. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I I hadn't remembered that, but yes, you, you're reminding me. Yeah. Yeah. And actually this topic around advice giving talking about persuasion. How do you do that with or without permission around the um, conversation around advice, giving and giving information was something that uh, Dr. Miller, Bill Miller brought up in his uh, keynote address for one of the trainings that we participated in. It was on his list. Yeah. And, you know, I've recently heard him talk about it in addition to that. And um, I'm wondering if, if it would be helpful to begin this conversation with this particular topic around advice giving, um, Mm -hmm. and again, this is advice giving without permission, maybe is to think about or talk about why folks find themselves in the, in the place of wanting to give advice. Um, And I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about that. It's interesting that this is so timely. Um, My niece helped my colleague and I create some documents, some reflective practice documents around motivational interviewing. And 
She also did a real play with me for my own practice. So I'm, I'm saying that as the backdrop of what her exposure to motivational interviewing is. And she has reached out to me and that was about a year ago. And she reached out to me at one point and said, hey, I used illicit, provide illicit with my management team. So she picked up on some, some things. And yesterday, literally yesterday, she texted me mm-hmm. and I'll have to ask her permission later, <laughs> but it was really, it jazzed me up because I think it, it speaks to some of this essence. As she said, you know, I just had this epiphany. I'm paraphrasing it. I think I had this epiphany that um, MI is difficult because of the notion of different, uh, having to be incredibly differentiated so that you can avoid being biased or falling into the instinct of giving advice or telling a patient what to do. So she thought about this on her own and later had told me that it, it came on the heels of her going to see uh, a healthcare practitioner mm-hmm. who, who must've given her advice. So she talked about it and we, we chatted a little bit more about it's really just such a habit that is formed that we naturally want to lean in and mm-hmm. give people our information or what we think about something, our opinion or ways that they might go about things naturally. Mm-hmm. And my, my niece, as a, as a caveat, is not in the helping profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she doesn't worry about that too much in her day-to-day life. And yet she's been intrigued by this notion of having conversations with people about change. <laughs> Yeah. And you also mentioned that she used the illicit provide illicit model, which Mm -hmm. is uh, a strategy that we can use if we do have information we'd like to share. If we do have feedback we'd like to give, it's a strategy that we can employ. And I think we're going to talk in greater detail about that. But I Mm -hmm. want to underline that, you know, it's probably within the helping professions and in many other professions, as you said, it's sort of normal to lean into this idea of, you know, well, Hey, I have some information that could be helpful or useful at this particular point, or gosh, I'd really like to help that person accomplish the goal that they're setting for themselves. Uh, And it's pretty normal and natural to want to give advice or feedback or information And, you know, I think the thing that is so wonderful about motivational interviewing, it's not saying, hey, you can't ever give advice. What it's saying is, is that, and again, I think your niece is really touching on this, that you need to separate yourself from your agenda about giving that advice and remember that this person is going to do with that information or that feedback they're ultimately going to make the choice exercising their autonomy about what direction they're going to go in or what step they're going to take or what they're going to do next. And, you know, uh, as long as we can sort of separate or differentiate using your niece's word, sort of our own personal agenda and making sure that we're not pressuring the person, we're trying to persuade the person because that's what we think is right for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a way to share information, give advice, offer feedback, uh, 
that can be consistent with the practice of motivational interviewing. And she said something later in that exchange, uh, probably picking up on some of the language of the documents that she edited. I'm not sure. It, it was a while ago. Mm. She did say this notion of that you're really working with another expert or an expert of themselves is a frame that she hasn't thought of before. Uh, and that that's and that's something that we asked and talked to Steve Rolnick about. Uh, what would you say to newer learners? I think was one of the questions that uh, that, our, that Billy Joe Smith asked. Yes, <laughs> and and he shared that question that really made me think a lot. If you're sitting with someone and believe they have it within them, you're you're off to a good start, and and maybe that's where you'd want to start if you struggle with that. Uh, and for me, this is that notion of I'm sitting there as the expert, and I think it's my role to give you this information, yeah. to give you this advice. Yeah. And even if that's true, and I do have something to offer and the person wants it, um, there's a way that we can go about doing that. Absolutely. And you know something, Amy, he, you didn't use this word, but you really implied it, which is the idea that as helpers, we're trained to share that expertise. We're trained to share that information. And again, the thing that I really appreciate about motivational interviewing so much is that it gives us the opportunity to exercise our training and to exercise it in a collaborative partnership. And that whole idea that um, Stephen Rolnick, one of the creators of motivational interviewing, mentioned was that if you can sit across from that person with your expertise and your training, and you can honor in them their expertise and their training and their experience of their own life, then you have two collaborative experts who have the opportunity to engage in a conversation and the helper is going to be acknowledging, affirming, and hopefully supporting the other expert, the client or the patient or the peers autonomy in terms of that they will ultimately be making whatever choice it is they make to do with that information or that feedback. That summary had the spirit bells going off in my head. You touched on partnership. You touched on the notions of acceptance and in, in that honoring someone's autonomy and not explicitly and though drawing out from the person, the evocation part uh, of what's already there mm -hmm. before we dive into giving our list of suggestions and ideas. Yeah. And, and keeping in mind the MI spirit, you know, partnership, acceptance, compassion, and evocation are part of the ways of honoring the expertise of the patient, the client, the participant, the peer. And, you know, Amy, you made me think, and maybe this is a little bit of an impromptu role play, but if you don't mind, if I could ask you a question. Sure. So let's say we were in a situation where... I offered you advice and you didn't ask me for this advice, mm -hmm. but I offered the advice. Mm -hmm. um, and let's say 
you know, and it's so funny, this jumped back into my mind from a prior conversation, but let's say you were, you were saying something about, you know, your eating habits Mm. and I came across with some advice. And again, we have a relationship, but let's say we didn't. Okay. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about what your response or your reaction might be to my advice? That's a really good question. And I don't want to complicate it by saying it depends. And it does depend on. (laughs) (laughs) It does, right? That's true. It's very true. Uh, What mood I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What language I choose to use (laughs) to respond. Yeah. I think for me, and, and 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 I'm tapping into an experience where I did know someone who started to give me advice about running and I just listened and nodded my head and smiled and kept thinking in my head, if you had only asked me some questions, you would already know that I'm not at that point of which you're providing me this information and advice. And I respected her space of where she was coming from. Cause she cared about me. She was excited about running. She wanted me to join her running trails in Pittsburgh. And if folks know about running in Pittsburgh, it's just not fun because there's hills and hills and more hills. So uh, she was really jazzed up about me joining her. So I knew where she was coming from. If you started to give me advice about my eating habits, um, I know inside I'd feel a little defensive depending on what that advice was and how you delivered it to me. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, if you did it kindly, like the example that I just shared, or if you gave it from an expert role of, I'm going to tell you what to do or how mm-hmm. to do it. Cause I know I've been there. Um, I'm going to not roll my eyes literally, but in the back of my head, I'm rolling my eyes and maybe feeling frustrated and not just frustrated that you're giving me advice, But this is an important thing that came to me in experience is feeling frustrated with myself Mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm a failure in a way Mm -hmm. that I'm already coming to the table feeling like I've failed again. Mm -hmm. And you're giving me advice and I'm thinking, well, I've tried that already and I failed at that too. So, you know, it adds to the layer. And, and, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because I want to articulate that to folks that it's not just about the defensiveness of the other person. What's their internal voice telling them? Mm-hmm. What would your internal voice say when I say, well, well, come on, Paul, have you ever thought about doing blah, blah, blah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when I tell you, like, have you ever thought about it is already, maybe our intention is good, but my style of how I ask it, have you ever thought about it? Almost is like a challenging way to say, well, gee, haven't you? So it's a lot to pack in there to say the style of how we say something, where our heart is coming from, no matter what may result in defensiveness that the person may not explicitly show us. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, there, yeah. there's a word actually that that really came to mind as you were saying that, and I really appreciate the the specificity of the example that you gave because you know you described 
you know, well, yeah, I've tried that and it, I failed. So now I feel doubly failed because, and the word that came to my mind was vulnerability, Mm. like acknowledging that, like when somebody is engaging in a conversation and let's say we may be the helper in that uh, instance, kind of keeping in mind that that person involved in the conversation is, is participating in the conversation and potentially feeling quite vulnerable. Yeah. And that, you know, giving advice, educating, telling somebody what to do is potentially going to put them on the defensive, potentially make them angry, potentially uh, cause them to tune out or yes, you until you stop talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, the example that you gave really brought it home to me that that vulnerability is something that we don't want to press. We, We want to be with the person where they're at and be able to have a conversation with them where they're going to feel like this conversation is actually benefiting them. Not that they feel that they have to defend against the conversation or feel worse after the conversation. And again, that's, that's not to, you know, give people the wrong impression that, you know, you know, we're all about, MI is all about making people feel good. That's, <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. I mean, sometimes people feel as they engage in these conversations, they feel anxiety and stress and that can help motivate them. That's kind of what we're doing when we do, um, when we're, um, I'm, I can't think of the word right now, but when we are developing discrepancy. Mm-hmm. That you know, a certain amount of anxiety is raised around a particular issue in a supportive way, not in a way that causes the person to feel, you know, perhaps more vulnerable. And and I certainly can't speak for the rest of the world. I can speak <laughs> for me, <laughs> although I try. <laughs> that in that packed in that vulnerability for me sometimes is this desire to be affirmed, to, I was going to say to please. Uh, and, and then the word affirm came to mind. I thinking of the friend story that talked about running with me. I, I didn't want to be behind her, meaning I'm not ready to run trails with her and I'm not ready to go invest in those really expensive sneakers. Cause truth be told, or tennis shoes or whatever folks call them, uh, truth be told, Uh, I was just barely shuffling a mile. Uh, Many wouldn't even call it running. So this, this notion of wanting to be affirmed for what I have been doing. Mm -hmm. And it connected me then in my own mind to my background in creative problem solving and setting the environment where people can share ideas in a safe way. And if they're feeling vulnerable because our ideas are a part of us, And how do we create that safe environment so that people feel relaxed, Mm -hmm. that they can share with you what they've been thinking about Mm -hmm. and that you're not going to judge it or tell me this is the right way to do it Mm. or, you know, so that that vulnerability is is an important word to explore in this whole process of how we give advice, if we give advice, 
to help people come up with their own ideas or their mm-hmm. own ways to move forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it makes me wonder it, or takes me back to what we were saying before about how knowing one's own agenda in the conversation, the agenda of the worker, the helper, uh, the support person, and being able to kind of suspend that or set that aside to create a space for the person to really, you know, talk about their ambivalence about this particular change that they may be considering. And then if there is information or feedback that we want to offer to be able to offer it in a way that somehow is separated from what we may want for that person. Mm. And, you know, and that's why motivational interviewing is not simple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. It's that notion of, yeah, not jumping into that expert role. It's not our agenda. And it's hard because we have this heart, hopefully heart of wanting people to be better, feel better, get better, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not taking the agenda, like you said, not taking it on that that may not be where they're going to start right now. Yeah. And figuring out with them together where they do want to start. Mm hmm. And, and again, I, I think the, uh, an important thing to underline, and, and maybe we should you know, spend a little more time focusing on this, is that advice giving, sharing information, sharing feedback is not in and of itself, am I inconsistent? It's mm-hmm. how it's given and it's the way and the timing of how it's given that actually makes it, am I consistent? And it can be MI consistent. And there's one example, Paul. I wonder if we can explore this. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. And this is when my my reflex to want to answer the question right away comes in when someone says, right out of the gate, what do you think I should do? What are some ways that you've heard some mm, MI consistent ways to handle that or ways that have worked for you? I really like that question because, because people have often said in trainings, well, the client asked me what to do. Mm-hmm. And you know something? When the client asks you what to do, you can give them an answer. And I think the thing that's important to keep in mind about sharing that answer is making sure that you conclude with... Ultimately, that's one option. We can explore other options, other ideas, thoughts that you may have. But based on my experience, that's one option. Mm. And ultimately, you'll decide what you think is the best thing to do. Because ultimately, it's not my responsibility to tell you what to do. You, You will make that decision for yourself. That's really artful, Paul, the way... You gave you you answered them right, and you gave them back their autonomy, and reminded them that they're the expert of themselves. It's really up to you. Yeah, and you know, I think another sort of smaller nuance piece to that 
is that I may think that the answer that I'm giving them is the really great answer. And this is ultimately what I'd really love for them to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're in the helping professions, we have to have enough self-awareness to know that that may be my investment. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would kind of be persuasion without permission. Mm. Uh, but I, I mentioned that because I would, I would want to be aware of myself to know that if I'm answering that question, because the individual asks me directly, I want to know that I can present that in a way that still affirms and allows them to make their own decision. I can share the information. I can give the feedback and I can still let them decide to do with that what they're going to. I was putting myself in the shoes of that person and thinking of my own example. If you came uh, out and I asked what you think I should do about my eating and you came and gave me advice and then followed that up with, that's just one thought or some things that I thought of. My mind is thinking of other things mm -hmm. as you're saying it. And I may think, hmm, I tried that already, Paul, it didn't work. So, you know, I would give you more information by res maybe responding to that. So it got my mind going about, mm, not sure that that would work. And I do have other ideas. <laughs> I think because in my mind, when I was imagining being in, in, in your space and you doing that, asking the, that and honoring my autonomy in that same way that I felt relieved to have a conversation with you about it. It, it, it's really a nice way to invite people in versus this question and answer, as we call it, trap that I ask you a question, you give me the answer. No, that doesn't work. I'm going to ask you another, you know, so it's mm -hmm. really a nice way to evoke. Uh, and, you know, Amy, you, you just gave a, a, a great sort of uh, example of how we might also be able to illustrate the illicit provide illicit model because so let's say you directly ask me a question mm -hmm. and that's, that's, a, that, that's a little different than the first illicit. And we'll talk about the model as a whole, but I might provide you with that answer. And of course I want to affirm your autonomy, but I might say, so what's your reaction to that? What thoughts do you have about that answer. Because again, I want to be, as you were just saying, I want to be in a conversation with you about this, where you're an active partner in the conversation and I'm an active participant in the conversation. And you might say, oh, I've tried that before. It didn't really work for me. And I was also thinking about this, this, and this. So in that example of EPE, the E part is really the first part might have been me saying, what do you think I should do? Mm -hmm. You're offering me that answer mm -hmm. and wrapping with the provide you're providing. That's the P part of the EPE. And then the last E elicit again, what do you think about that? So mm -hmm. it's framing it, the EPE, even when some, somebody asks you out of the gate, what do you think I should do? 
Yeah. And, and, and absolutely. And another way, you know, that oftentimes when I'm, I'm having conversations with folks about EPE, this particular strategy, which helps us remain MI consistent in our sharing of information or giving advice or feedback is, you know, asking the person. So, you know, Amy, what do you know about um, a healthy diet? Starting there, Mm-hmm. As opposed to, hello, Amy, I'm the expert, and I'm about <laughs> to tell you about the parameters of a healthy diet. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. The response is like, great. That's when I, that went off in my head and came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Great. Excellent. So, so we've just demonstrated the, the pushback or the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the reaction to sort of the provider presenting themselves as the informational advice feedback expert. Yeah. Paul, I, I, I tell the story of a dentist that I went to and I, I'm not going to tell it here because I, I think it's a good story to tell, but maybe in another episode, it takes too long. The point being is this dentist gave me all kinds of information and advice hmm. around, uh, cancer because I had fair skin. Um, she talked to me about, she could tell in the x-ray that I had surgery on my nose, which was a deviated septum. Uh, cause I wasn't breathing cause I had aller- allergies. So she gave me advice on allergies. <laughs> and I remember walking out of the dentist's office thinking, I, I hope my teeth are fine. <laughs> but I think for me as a practitioner or helper <laughs> that oftentimes the people we serve can walk away with a lots of thoughts or, or defensiveness or, or counter arguments in their head. And they don't always give us feedback. And mm. uh, I, I, and I don't know about you, but I, I often invite practitioners or trainees to consider how is the person you're speaking to responding to that mm-hmm. and being mindful that it's not, just, oh yeah, that's great. Cause I could say that and I don't mean it. So how do you pay attention to their body language? Mm-hmm. Did they come back the next time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think there's something so powerful about what you just said, and I'm going to quote you because you said, you know, and they don't give us feedback and you know, something I bet the reason they don't give us feedback is because we maybe didn't engage them in a conversation where their feedback was invited. Indeed. And that's the beauty of the illicit provide illicit model. So if you were in a situation and you have advice that you want to share, you have information or feedback that you want to share. First of all, check with yourself. What's my agenda about this advice, information, or feedback? And am I able to talk about it in a way that is not going to impinge on this person's autonomy? Mm. And, if, and if you're able to proceed, then you can use this particular strategy. So Amy, tell, tell me what you know about healthy eating hmm. and, and listen, <laughs> That's an important part. It's yes. Let me underline it and listen. (laughs) And then 
the idea of the provide. And this is where I think it's important to say a little bit about permission. Mm. Because let's say Amy tells me what she knows about healthy eating. I'm listening. Remember, I just underlined that. I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to reflect or summarize back to Amy what she told me. Because that's my way of communicating to Amy. I am listening. And did I get that right? So I would definitely want to do that. And then before I gave, quote unquote, my advice, my information or my feedback, I would say, Amy, I have some information about healthy eating that you might find valuable. Other people have found it valuable. Would it be okay if I shared that with you? Hmm. And Amy would respond however she responded. And one thing that I love to say about permission is don't ask if you're not going to really listen to the person's response and honor it. Their response to say, yes, I'd like you to give it to me. Right. Or their response to say, no, thank you. I, I don't right. want, I don't want to have that information right now. Yeah. And another thing that I have experienced from others is a nice subtlety about asking permission and honoring what they said. And, and there was one example where a person said some not current or correct information about a medication. I'll leave mm -hmm. it at that. Okay. And the practitioner said, if you don't mind, I'd like to add some things that we now know about that. And I thought that that was such a subtle and beautiful way mm -hmm. to in, inform the person without sounding corrective or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just a nice addition. And there was one other thing about this notion of EPE or more specifically as you're sharing, asking permission. I, still do find myself sometimes responding to the reflex of wanting to give not necessarily advice or information. Sometimes it's also um, wanting to fix something or help someone feel better. I'll course correct as you have so eloquently taught us over time. <laughs> there's an opportunity for that and I'll ask permission afterwards or not necessarily ask permission but do the E part. Uh, what do you think about those ideas? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or say, geez, I got a, I got a little ahead of myself and um, got all excited about, about what we were talking about. Let me slow back down and, yeah. and see where we are with that. Mm -hmm. I'm only sharing that uh, as it, it was a habit for me to break. And I, and I suspect that maybe others, because we've been trained to want to help others and, and trained to uh, focus on the problem identification and offer suggestions and solutions or science-based information on how that they mm -hmm. can get better. And, and that's not, a, as you said earlier, not a bad thing. Just there's a way that we could do it artfully using permission and using illicit provide illicit. Absolutely. And it's, and it's a way of doing it that's MI congruent mm -hmm. and a, a way of continuing to engage in a conversation and, and tell me, Amy, if you think this is an overstatement, but I think it's a way of engaging in a conversation with somebody where the conversation 
may actually help this person move toward the change they're considering. Mm. So that's that whole notion of intentionality, Mm -hmm. being able to draw stuff out so that they consider potential change. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about it, we reflect back so they hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I really appreciate that you underlined the second E in the EPE, which is the asking the person for their reaction to yes. it. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I often like to conclude that sometimes I do it, in, it at the summary with a, then affirming that the person, you know, we've talked about a number of ideas. We've talked about a number of solutions. Ultimately, you'll make the decision about what's right for you based on what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, sometimes concluding with that key question of, so what do you think you'll do next or what's next? Nice. That's helpful when you're in the four processes of considering, Are have you evoked enough to even consider mm-hmm. next steps or any planning or what we sometimes say planning to plan? but really kind of guiding the, where are we? And mm-hmm. are they giving you permission to walk with them further or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, setting MI aside for a moment, and again, it's mm-hmm. hard to do that in a podcast that's called Lions and Tigers and Bears, MI. But we can setting- talk about the lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to avoid that for just a moment. But, <laughs> but, but setting the MI aside for just a moment, anybody who's listening to this conversation, who has conversations with other people about behavior changes, if you have information or advice or feedback that you want to give, this particular strategy, which involves asking permission, which involves using illicit, provide illicit. And and I think we've kind of underlined essentially the the broad strokes of it. Mm -hmm. Whether you're quote unquote, practicing motivational interviewing or not, if you're engaging in conversations with people where you feel the push, internal push to give advice feedback or information. This strategy can help you have more effective conversations and conversations where the person you're talking with, not at, will actually stay more engaged in the conversation. And in concert with what we're talking about, I'm going to invite the learners to consider, what do you think about that suggestion Paul just gave? (laughs) It's interesting because full circle to our conversation, my niece picked up on that right away. And I, she and I talk a lot about training and leadership, which is to connecting um, interests of ours. And she said, I use that EPE to get ideas and thoughts out of the management team that she works with. So she's using it in different aspects of her career, it seems. So it was a easy tool for her to use. Mm. Wonderful. And how wonderful that you shared it with her. Well, I mean, it was a good thing because she was doing something for us and she threw osmosis and editing the document, got a sense of it. She's a really smart cookie. Her name is Devin in case she's ever listening. <laughs> she knows, <laughs> who she is. but uh, <laughs> she picks up on things and, and, and teaches 
me a lot, just how she picks up on stuff. I'm curious. I'm wondering if it's okay <laughs> if I share one more thing that I've experienced around this notion of providing information or advice giving. Of course, okay, please. Paul? Yeah, please, please do. Sometimes I do it myself. And sometimes when I'm listening to people practice or talk to other people, the P part, the provide information part gets really long and we pretty much give them the encyclopedia. That's an exaggeration, but give them a lot of information. And I've noticed that the person sometimes gets lost in it and isn't sure what they're saying, responding to when you ask them what they think of that information, because it was a lot. So I'm wondering what you think about that. So for me, my thought would be, be judicious in a way of offering enough, depending on the person you're talking to. It's not a, a black and white suggestion or thought. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who you're talking to, be judicious in how much information you you give them to allow them to digest it and respond to what they think about that. Mm. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> uh, that would be the second E. Uh Although this is radio and you cannot see, you cannot see me. I am nodding my head. Yes. As Amy just said what she said. And and I appreciate the, the subtlety and the specificity of what Amy is saying, because I could not agree with you more uh, that sometimes the P can, it, it basically is just too much. And better to err on the side of too little, engage in further conversation, and then elaborate as needed, as opposed to, well, okay, thanks for granting me permission. Now I'm going to read you my dissertation on healthy dieting. When you said he again, I was thinking pontificate. So (laughs) it doesn't mean pontificate. (laughs) <laughs> yes. It, 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 and, and again, what a, what a wonderful uh, and important detail to make sure that we underline is that the provide is about being concise hmm. about, you know, sharing the feedback, sharing the advice, sharing the point in a concise manner so that we can get the person's response because there is their response and I don't know, Amy, I'm maybe going out on a limb saying this. So tell me if you think the branch is about to crack. Oh, don't fall. Okay. Well, just tell me, I haven't said it yet, but their response is more important than the advice you just gave or the information you just shared or the feedback you just offered. Their response is more important. Indeed. Absolutely. And I, I, you, yeah, you're safe. You're on the branch. You're good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fall off that tree in the forest. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is about them. And I think that's why, and for me, it's a, it's another way of falling into the rut of my agenda. So you sharing that, like, what is my intention as the practitioner and the helper? Check myself. Am I doing this for my own sake? Cause I have some great things to tell them. And of course I do. <laughs> um, 
So you can get caught in that expert role, even using EPE. And that's what I was thinking of in uh, being clear and concise and smaller bites for me helps me um, to be quiet because I, I get all excited and jazzed up and, and before I know it, I'm out of the gate, you know, running and the person is behind me walking and I, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, ultimately uh, we've had the opportunity today to talk about why people might want to give advice, why they might want to give feedback, why they might want to uh, offer information. And, and it is normal and natural to the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we've talked about the idea of asking permission and the use of the strategy, elicit, provide, elicit. And if we hope that in your feedback, you'll tell us what you think about that. Hmm. What do you think about it? We're inviting them to do the third E. (laughs) Yes. And having, having the second E. Exactly. And and having done that E, we, we also want to acknowledge that, you know, this is information that we're sharing and that ultimately you will determine what is the best way for you to use these strategies. And I'll throw out as, as a suggestion. And again, you will choose to use this or not as you see fit. I know for some people asking permission before asking a question or giving feedback can seem like a very um, foreign practice. I, I will acknowledge that it was a foreign practice to me until I started to practice it. And, and I think I, uh, I, I'm pretty consistent in my use of it. And what I would invite people to consider as like a practical activity. And Amy, I'm very curious as to what your thoughts are about this. Mm-hmm. But what I would invite people to consider is practice asking permission before you ask a question or share information 10 times in one day. <laughs> so just practice it 10 times and reflect on for yourself what was that like for me? What was it like for me to do that? And what was the impact on the other person? And after you've reflected on that, share it with a trusted friend or colleague. So my experience of permission was this. The impact I saw that it had on them was this. And and I just offer that as a way to make this conversation kind of active and practical, if that's something you would like to try. Amy, thoughts, reactions to that? Love it. The only thing I might add is it might be good to try 12. And I have to look it up now because I'm curious I thought 12 times makes a habit, just saying, just kind of joking saying, but no, I think that's a great idea to invite people to do that. And I think about using it at home. Oftentimes I'm always giving advice, wagging my finger. (laughs) And I find myself uh, adjusting to that and asking permission or what do you think about that? (laughs) So I get, I got used to it and I didn't do it with intention, like you're suggesting. And maybe I would have gotten over my habit sooner had I practiced it 
intentionally for a week or for the next couple of weeks, being mm-hmm. mindful of asking permission or what do you think about that at the same, you know, either or, yeah. or both. Thank you. And, and again, just an opportunity to consider and try out. And again, we would love your feedback on this conversation and your thoughts about permission, elicit, provide, elicit. And uh, if you engage in that practice opportunity anywhere between 10 and 12 times, uh, <laughs> and thank you for that, Amy, any, <laughs> any, anywhere between uh, 10 and 12 times, um, we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts and your reactions and your experience of what that was. And if you find that the research number of practicing how many times to break a habit is different, great. <laughs> Let us know that too. No. <laughs> Amy, thank you. I really have enjoyed talking with you about this topic. And uh, I'm so glad that it was on our agenda to discuss. Thanks, Paul. It's always fun doing this. I know that we're going to plan to do more and perhaps the next episode will talk about what do we do when we see somebody reacting in a way that doesn't seem harmonious. Maybe we can talk about that next time. Uh, I look forward to more. As do I. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to Episode 7 of Lions and Tigers and Bears, MI. Join us for Episode 8 when Amy and Paul discuss noticing and responding to Discord. Cassette Podcast Network. This podcast has been brought to you by the Cassette Podcast Network, located within the Center for the Application of Substance Abuse Technologies at the University of Nevada, Reno. For more podcasts, information, and resources, visit cassette.org.